One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Journey Podcast. Uh, you've joined me, Cav Dadfa, and Jordan Banks. And today we have Mira Datani with us. Mira, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Cav. How are you? Yeah, very good. Very good. Jordan, good. how are you, buddy? Yeah, keeping well. I was up late last night doing a uh, talk to New York at, um, I don't know, one in the morning. I didn't get to sleep till three, so I'm um, a little bit tired, but... Uh, Nothing I won't get over, get through, or get over. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, we will we'll let you kind of just sleep in the background, then Jordan, and we'll yeah. just chat among us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll just dip in and out as I can <laughs> when I wake up. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, well, Mira, thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us. What have you been up to lately? Oh well, um, what have been up to lately? I mean, it's been a it's been one of those strange years, obviously, um, but the last certainly the last couple of weeks or the last month uh, it's, it's felt like travel has had a bit of a bit of an injection of energy with the you know world travel market with the British Girls Travel Writers Dinner at the Savoy and there just seem to be a lot more events and a lot more energy around travel so it's been it's been really good to be to be out and about um, and then of course been working as well um, on adventure.com and some freelance work and the events work that I do with the guild. So. Yeah, I think um, I think that's uh, we've we've talked about this before as well. It's, it's kind of weird because I think we've we've all been so out of practice with just actually being out and about that it's just like exhausting stuff, isn't it? Just uh, actually having to do some work and actually getting out there is kind of tiring stuff. Yeah, definitely. I'm having to sort of ration my uh, social energy level. You know, I'm not not used to being out this much, so. Yes, I think I think quite a few people have felt that, but it but it has been great, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely, it's been fantastic catching up with everyone. Um, well, let's um let's kind of go back to where it all started for you. Um, you know, where did it start? How did you want to sort of get into traveling, into journalism, into travel writing? Tell us, tell us where it all started. Yeah, well, you know, I used to want to be a foreign correspondent. When I was growing up, that is all I wanted to do, be a proper uh, news journalist and, you know, be reporting from the front lines. <laughs> and obviously I have not gone down that path, but 
you know, I always wanted to travel. Um, I never really thought about travel writing, uh, in all honesty, as as a career. I never really, I never really thought about how those features got written and who did them and stuff like that. So I ended up going into more sort of digital journalism, lifestyle journalism, um, kind of when the internet heyday was happening, kind of very late 90s, early noughties. And it was when I was freelancing at one of the IS, you know, the ISPs were, the internet service providers were like where you, where you kind of learn about digital journalism because there weren't so many websites then as such, like publications didn't necessarily have websites. And they had a travel section and this particular one was um, FreeServe, which became wanna do an orange and they just asked if I wanted to go on a press trip and I honestly I didn't really know what it was and so I just said yes and I was in Cologne and Bonn with a group of travel journalists and editors and a travel PR and it like, literally was like a box opening and this world of this, this world that we're now all in um, kind of presented itself yeah I think I think it's interesting isn't it because um I was I was talking to someone uh, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago about how people get started in in well, travel journalism, but in travel photography as well. And and it's incredible how many people actually you know don't realise uh, what what the actual industry entails and actually you know what goes into it. So it's really interesting that you kind of said you know it's, it sort of opened up this world for you. Um, so where where did you kind of get your big break, if you like, or how did you go about actually you know becoming a journalist that actually gets paid rather than you know someone who who is trying to break into the industry yeah I get I mean I think it was it's definitely for me it's been like a slow burner uh thing you know I never you know, I got my first I think my first proper travel commission I uh, basically when I was when I was working for Virgin Media which was one of the websites I used to work for I did used to write some travel stuff off the back of holidays but again even then I never really thought of it being as something you could sort of turn into a proper career um, but when I went on this very first press trip, there was uh, the travel editor of um, Take a Break, you know, one of the women's uh, weekly magazines. Yeah. And he commissioned me a piece um, on Vietnam because about a month later, I was going off on my first uh, solo solo trip. So that was like my first sort of print um, sort of print feature that I got in. But I don't really think I sort of seriously pursued it, you know, as a, as a career. Um, for quite a long time I think I still sort of dabbled you know I'd get the odd press trip invite um and just sort of start writing and, and pitching the odd editor um but I've actually probably only been full full-time travel for about six six-ish years um okay so yeah definitely was uh, wasn't something that I was always doing and suddenly got a big break and then that was it you know all I was doing was travel writing yeah, I mean, that's really interesting, actually, because um, it is kind of similar. It's been a similar theme to, you know, throughout these uh, podcasts, but also other people I've sp spoken to as well in that, you know, everyone has sort of um, grown into this particular industry and into this particular job over time, rather than, you know, having a, almost a clear determination of this is what I was going to do. But um, I'm going to come back to the solo travel that you mentioned uh, shortly, but I wanted to kind of just go on to what you mentioned about press trips. And one of the most common questions that I get asked by, uh, you know, new people in the industry, whether it's writers, photographers, is, is around press trips. So can you just explain what they are, what they entail, 
you know, why do people get invited to them? And actually, what do the kind of clients who are putting these on, what are they kind of looking for out of a press trip from a journalist or a photographer or that sort of thing? Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess, as I'm sure you know, like, what a press trip is, is like, it, it varies so much. You know, there are there are ones that are, you know, not not particularly well done. You know, they've, they've got their the PR or the tourist board they've got certain stakeholders that you know have to play a part and as a result you don't always get the best story but um, at the same time you get some incredible ones um, put together so I mean how do they work I mean everything needs promoting right every tourist board wants to promote its destination you know hotels tour operators yeah sure, um, sure. you know and and there's you know hundreds and you know countless PR companies who are who are representing uh, all of these different people and I mean, I, I have a I have a sort of good experience of press trips. I know that, you know, there are a lot of journalists who don't ever take them. Um, uh, but I definitely I, I'm talking about group press trips here. I mean, I think a lot of us uh, take individual trips where we have some support uh, from from the clients um, involved. But. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think they, they definitely have their place. Uh, I've become over time sort of more savvy I suppose as to what I want out of the stories that I yeah. want to write um but I definitely haven't always been like that in the past <laughs> yeah and of course. you know I've been on some that have just been you know a little bit disastrous in that I've really not been able to get that much material yeah and you know when you're freelance you know as all of us freelancers can relate to you know you really want to get a little bit of mileage out of your week away or whatever it is yeah so, yeah <laughs> yeah no absolutely and I think I think the one the one thing that you said there is that uh, over time you do actually sort of learn to say no I guess a lot more than than just accepting you know press trips but also when you're on a press trip as, as well just sort of accepting any, anything that goes kind of thing um, so yes yeah, yeah. so I think that's uh, that's quite an interesting one uh, Jordan from from a photographer's mm -hmm. point of view press trips things like that uh, you know what what do you kind of what's your advice for photographers that actually take press trips and things like that? Oh, I'd probably say really the problem with press trips is for photographers is that you just don't get the time to spend there. Obviously we need to certain locations. You can just come in and fire away. can't you? And you can get some shots to tell a story, but actually producing any real quality work takes a lot of time, a lot of time. And the, the group will obviously normally want to move on a lot quicker than you. So if you can do them as individuals in certain locations, you know, or just on your own, then um, I think it's a lot easier, but yeah, really they're, they're good for wrecking a location and getting an idea, but obviously that's not really that feasible unless you're looking to run tours or workshops or something from an editorial standpoint, it's not, you know, you haven't really got the time or budget to start, even though the trips are comped, you know, you don't have the time to, um, to spend wrecking places before you go and actually shoot it really. It's just not feasible if you did that every time. So I'd probably say not a lot of use, really, yeah, <laughs> to be yeah. totally honest with you, like, is the long and short of it, I guess. I think, you know, on that, I think that's probably why a lot of writers also, even though they don't need, you know, maybe as much time as a photographer, but I think that's why a lot of them, a lot of writers also don't particularly like going on group press trips because, you know, they don't feel they've got the time to get their, you know, to get their stories in. So kind of, yeah, it kind of works across both, doesn't it? I think it, they, either yeah. suit you. they either suit you for certain stories and certain times um or they don't so i like to do a mix if I'm being i honest. guess from a writer's point of view you've um 
you sometimes you just speak to people and get their story as well don't you which you know for this is a whole group there they're like i don't want to sit for two hours while you talk to this lady or this gentleman or child whatever it is while you're just having a conversation understanding their background and story which yeah so again you know you do need time just maybe at different times of the day really as compared to photographers yeah and you want that unique story don't you you don't want everyone else sort of you know (laughs) that's the other thing yeah you want want to be pitching stuff that's very different yeah, not a generic trip around a country. I know that's one of yeah. our big things and we're always putting things for journey. We know we don't just want, hey, I visited Uzbekistan or I visited Kazakhstan yeah. or what you know, the, you know, interesting places, but there's no real narrative to it. We want something that's got a unique sort of, you know, a real a selling point, I guess, and you know, real narrative to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Mira, going to going back to kind of what you mentioned about your first solo travel. Um where was that too and uh and how did you find it oh, I loved it um I'd never done it and I just I just remember I went into oh STA travel on um um on Charing Cross Road was it in Charing Cross Road yeah and I just remember walking in and then walking out with this three month or four four month open return <laughs> uh <laughs> ticket to in, in into Bangkok and out of Sydney so that's all I all I knew really yeah and yeah it was it was really it was really exciting um I, I think I booked it about three weeks before I was about to go yeah and yeah I I just had I had not really done it before and was so surprised how easy it was and I mean Southeast Asia makes traveling solo incredibly easy anyway yeah um, because it's just the infrastructure that's there is just so geared up to that yeah 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 I just I found it I found it really liberating I mean I'm not saying like every single moment you know there was times when I was like oh what am I doing here you know you'd miss home or you'd miss your friends especially over Christmas New Year but yeah it was it was it was a really good moment because then I did so many more after that (laughs) it's it's interesting actually because we've spoken about this before but at my first solo trip um kind of when I started almost 20 years ago was Thailand and um (laughs) And it's, it's kind of really what made, what changed my life, basically. And uh, and I was exactly the same. I lit, I went uh, over Christmas and I was there for like a month backpacking the entire, it was the first time I'd been to Thailand. And since then I've been there so many times, but um, I was exactly the same. I literally just booked a flight uh, to and from Bangkok and that was it. That's all I knew. And I just turned up to this completely new place that I'd never even like experienced before. And I was suddenly like, what do I do now? Where do I go? <laughs> you know, I, don't, I have no idea what I'm doing. So, so it's interesting. And, but I, I think you're right. Southeast Asia, I think is a really good, almost first experience for anyone who wants to do solo travel, isn't it? Because there is, like you said, the infrastructure and also you do feel relatively in control and relatively safe as well most of the time, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe that's partly why I booked it as well. I mean, I had always wanted to go um, and, and travel around there. I'd only been, I think I'd been on holiday to Thailand for about two weeks, um, a couple of years earlier. Um, and yeah, you know, as a, as a woman traveler as well, I kind of had that in mind. And uh, yeah, I'd felt I'd felt pretty I'd felt really comfortable there when I was in Thailand in yeah three years before that I think. Um, but yeah, I'd, I think I just booked my first night's hostel, and that was it. I didn't know what I was going to do uh, with the rest <laughs> of the trip. I had a, I had a wedding in Australia sort of towards the end, like the tail yeah. end of the four months, and some friends there. But other than that, you know, it was really open and yeah. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't say like it's something everyone's got to do or anything like that. But I do think 
it's a great thing to do if if you want if you want to do it at any, yeah. at any age you know absolutely at all you know just go for it yeah absolutely i i still i still love solo trips now in fact i, I love them more than I, I did when i was younger it just gives gives a it's a great chance to just get away and just sort of completely kind of just immerse yourself and and uh and i think obviously the more you do it the more you the more comfortable you feel as well but um so so your your trip started in bangkok and ended in australia mm-hmm. where was it, was it just thailand and australia or did you kind of travel to any uh, other places well you know when i when i started off i thought oh i'll do the usual you know like four countries you know thailand laos cambodia vietnam in three months and then australia for the last month but i ended up just you know embracing slow travel you know before we talked about it slow travel so i was just moving so slowly everywhere you know i went to chiang mai and spent like two weeks there and went to kanchanaburi which is by the river kwai which most people do as a like a half day trip from from bangkok and i stayed there for 10 days um at this really cool kind of riverside hostel called um jolly frog backpackers (laughs) so i just i just spent ages everywhere because i just you know i just like I fall in love like with every place I go to yeah you know, I want to move everywhere and like I want to live a thousand lives and so I guess that was my way of sort of doing it in like real miniature <laughs> by spending yeah. you know two three weeks in places so I did make it to Vietnam um and I think at the time the, the maybe it's the same now but the free the free visa you know was was a month and so I basically just train you know I just used the trains and started in Hanoi and just made my way down to uh, the Mekong Delta, just using the trains. And, and at that point, I think I must have gone to Australia. Yeah. So it was kind of roughly, it was like two months, two months Thailand, one month Vietnam, one month Australia. Um, and yeah, it, it was great. I had a friend, surprise, like, you know, suddenly decide that she was going to come join me in Vietnam. My mum spent a week with me in Bangkok. So I had two little pockets of visitors, which were yeah. completely, you know, unplanned, but so yeah, very very memorable trip, even all these years on. Oh, fantastic! Well, it's it's yeah. bringing bringing back some very great <laughs> memories for me and from my m- multiple trips to Thailand, but also Vietnam and Australia and places like that. So uh, yeah. so yeah, it's it's kind of yeah. giving me a lot of wanderlust at the moment. So oh, <laughs> we'll, no, we'll move actually, we'll move briefly yeah, on <laughs> because otherwise I'm just gonna I'm gonna start booking things straight away. Um, nostalgia mode. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, so obviously these days you're not just a journalist you're not just a travel writer but you also are uh, the co-editor of a very popular website uh, called adventure.com mm-hmm. um tell us a bit, a bit about that what is it uh you know what what sort of things you do uh, and and how did it come about yeah adventure.com so i joined um as a sort of assistant editor uh, about five 2016 so five years ago now um and yeah, I, I got approached um, to, to see if I wanted to be involved in it. I was like, yes, please, because, <laughs> you know, it's always nice to be involved in something that sort of wasn't it wasn't a new website. It did exist in an old in, like had another version of it, but it was it was very different. So this was in effect a sort of real big revamp and yeah. going back to kind of a lot of storytelling types of features um, and also like I mean, we say, you know, it's adventure. The tagline is like adventure.com adventure redefined and it's it's basically sort of so that it's not just adventure in the hiking and you know mountain biking sense but lots of adventures you know food food can be an adventure cultural adventures um things like that and with a real focus on um you know travel for good you know i know that will get used a lot and 
really conscious <laughs> of that but you know the idea is that there's a lot of stories behind the scenes on our site as well so the people um, and local people uh, that, that make you know a lot of these places special so um, you know that's not to say that every single piece is like that it isn't but we yeah. we do quite a lot on on perspectives um, and others under told or under kind of represented stories yeah and it's actually um i mean even before we we met mira it was actually one of my favorite websites oh. so um so it was it was it was it was lovely to actually finally meet you in person <laughs> and and talk but yeah no it's a fantastic website but i'd highly recommend it to anyone who just just wants to read great stories and just great travel stories but also like you said really interesting stories i, I mean for example just recently i read Mark Stratton's piece uh, on Thailand, on the elephant mm. situation in Thailand. And obviously Thailand is so close to my heart and that was such a fantastic story. And it really, really yeah. actually made me feel quite emotional reading that. It was, a, it was a wonderful story. So I would highly recommend everyone checks out adventure.com. It's a really, yeah. really great, um, great <laughs> website. And, uh, and obviously you being the co-editor, um, Yes. How, how does how does that differ from being a writer obviously you've got to you've got to kind of you know take your journalistic hat off and put your editor hat on so so how does being an editor differ to being a writer oh i mean god it differs it differs obviously it's yeah you're just looking at the stories in a completely different way and you know it makes you reconsider your own pictures uh, before you send them out as well um I suppose you're, you're, you, you sort of understand a lot more why I suppose you understand why things don't always get commissioned you understand why pictures don't always get answered yeah um, you know, you're always collaborating so my my co-editor Oliver Pelling Ollie um over in Melbourne you know you, you, we're on different time zones for a start yeah. so you know you, you can't give instant answers um I mean, I, I, I don't get overwhelmed by emails the way, you know, I don't know, the editors of some of the nationals would, but yeah. still get far more than we could possibly commission. And yeah, I suppose you're just, you're just, it does make you think sort of strategically about your, your site and what, you know, which stories you want to commission and what message you're sending out with each one. And, you know, you're also thinking a little bit, um, not so much commercially, but yes, yeah, strategically, like, is this going to do well? You know, you yeah. have to think about that, even though we're not, you know, we're owned by a larger travel company, um, Intrepid Group, and yeah. we're, you know, editorially independent of them, but, um, you know, we, we don't have advertising. So, but, you know, things still have to obviously do well, and you do have to think, you know, is there a good headline to this? And so I suppose when writers make all that easier by sending in really sort of sharp pitches, you know, that makes my life easier so then I understand a little bit better I mean I'm not the best pitcher but I at least I can sort of spot a bad when I'm writing a really bad pitch <laughs> I'm writing it I'm like oh no they're just gonna see that and go and groan yeah you know I've sort of pitched an idea or a topic rather than a story and you know all those things you hear when you're you're tuning into sort of pitching yeah uh, like webinars or sessions yeah of course I think it's um I mean, it, what you said is really spot on there. And I think uh, from you know, my side, obviously, for, for Journey, it's exactly the same in that I think that the one thing that I also didn't really realize until I started working on Journey is that, you know, when, when a pitch does come in, 
you know, it's not just the fact that that pitch doesn't get accepted for reasons at that point, but it's also things that there may be things down the line that you'd already sort of planned a commission on a, mm-hmm. on a piece on a similar destination and that sort of thing. So that was something that was kind of, I hadn't even thought about before, but um, that's, that was really interesting for me, but I'm just going to bring Jordan yeah. in here um, in regards to the photo sides of it. Obviously, um, you know, Jordan, you kind of look after the, photography for journey and also see the photo stories and things like that so it's a similar question to i asked mira in terms of obviously you know you're a photographer but also you are a picture editor as well so how does how does the two differ and you know when you're looking for pitches for journey or for you know edit, sort of photo essays what is it that you look for in those well i think the main thing i think you sort of the same was just been covered in terms of writing i want it to be precise and to the point and you know, not just a very broad aspect and really nail down. I can see very quickly and easily what this story is about and what these photos, you know, what's going on without having to even almost, from my side, I like to be able to have a rough guess by just looking at the photographs first and then see what I think the story is and then see where the pitch is. And that just helps. That makes me think if I've managed to work it out or even got close, then hopefully the viewer will, because obviously that's important for photos, especially photo essays where they're led by the visual. So I think that's um, one thing I did learn, though. I realised how bad I was. I think that was interesting what you were saying, Mira, that, um, at pitching. Like when, I started, when I started to act as a photo editor or become it, I realised how you know, I was getting so many for one that it was like a bit overwhelming and you couldn't reply. And you start to understand why other photo editors or editors aren't replying to you as quickly, which was quite a relief to be honest, to know that. And then I also having look at it, looking at it objectively from my side, I realized so it's been quite a learning curve. Actually, I could see when people pitched good pictures and how it was good for me to see it and how obviously mm. just very bad ones were just like, this is just, you know, they haven't understood the brief or what we've asked for the pitch call or, you know, it's just too, a lot of it, I think the biggest problem with photographers is that we're not particularly good at it. Um, in pitching, we're good at photography, sorry. But um, yeah. we, we tend to go with this very, you know, just, it's a lot of just, it doesn't have any coalition to anything. It's just a whole load of pictures of, an, you know, on their own, this standalone nice, but actually stitch them all together and there's not really a coercive story there. So yeah, again, it goes back to just being really tight knit, I think, and getting it really accurate and to the point so that, you know, we don't need the words to understand what the story is. Yeah, definitely. And and I also like it when, um, and I, I now try and do this, you know, where you just, that kind of confidence comes across, like not not like arrogance, nothing like that, but just that, you know, you're the right person that you can yeah. do this, you can deliver it, you know, you've got the knowledge or you've got the access to people and and you, and you do it really, sh- like, really like short and snappy as well. Like not like, you know, I don't mean like a two line. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but, you know, you don't have time to like read lots you need to get a really good sense especially like you you know you're sharing it with another editor so yeah you're forwarding stuff on a lot or yeah wasting stuff and there's all those things that you just don't you know as a writer as a freelance writer if you've not been on like staff on the commission side you just might not just might not yeah. think about i suppose absolutely know? absolutely and i think and i think definitely pitching guidelines as well making sure that you adhere to those as well and I think that's a really important part as well you know the amount of times that I'm sure you're the same era where you kind of get pitches where you've asked for something quite specific at a specific time and you know a pitch comes through and that's kind of doesn't really uh you know match what you're looking for and and it it makes things much more difficult because obviously you are you are looking at tons and tons of pitches so I think that's really important as well 
I yeah. think as well, what I'd like to just reiterate and just make just pick up how important I think what uh, Mira said there earlier about um, how important it is to sort of not be arrogant, but push yourself and be confident. I think that really, I mean, I've found that my wife was the one who instilled that in me, actually. She was like, just put yourself out there, be, you know, not arrogant, but put yourself out. It gives the confidence to the, to the editor or the person reading your pitch or story immediately they, you have this you know if you've done right then you feel like yeah i believe in this person i'm confident they're gonna deliver the work they're gonna live up to deadlines they're gonna you know work with me and you know just this is a professional rather than just someone who's gone to a nice country taken some pictures and now fancies getting their work published you know not that that it can't work but i think you know having that bit of arrogance and i've done this and can do that and like you said i think the, the right person for the job is really important make the person believe that so i think that's a really good point you made there yeah and also you know ideally you want to work you know we're you know a bit like journey magazine you know we're not a closed shop we always welcome new writers and always try to make sure a certain percentage of like a new budget is new writers but you also want to work with people again so it's also you know making sure you you get it right so that you want you know you're commissioned again as well so it's all part of it isn't it it's like a relationship it's not just like a feature necessarily yeah and i think you're at like the age old saying you're only as good as your old last job aren't you yeah. that's very true as well <laughs> <laughs> well uh, you've you've heard it here first anyone who's not uh, pitched to mira get get to it you know if you haven't written yeah, to, yeah yeah start pitching <laughs> Um, <laughs> you're going to be inundated this afternoon oh, like God. flooded with your inbox <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah that, that was not a pitch call out <laughs> it's too late now coming to the we're end not, of a commissioning budget <laughs> uh, we're not cutting that from the uh, from the podcast so yeah that's that's going in there it's, it's set in stone now um well let's talk let's talk about a bit more about travel writing and obviously how things have evolved in i mean from from what i can remember certainly in the last like 10 20 years from what I've read in travel writing, it's kind of changed quite a lot. Um, how, what, well, how and why do you think that's happened, Mira? I mean, I suppose one, I mean, one main thing, I mean, we won't, you know, not talk about, say, in the last couple of years where like lots of really kind of potentially exciting conversations are being had about future travel writing, but I suppose digital, like to me, is the biggest one because it just made travel writing suddenly bit more democratic I suppose like so many more sites so many more places to publish you know so many niches that you could write in so I think you know between that and online and and you know travel blogs um, and publications just having another platform to publish on I think that has had a, a really big um, effect you know on travel writing um, but then you know of course just that general awareness of what we're doing when we travel the environment you know how we affect communities like all those um all those conversations have suddenly kind of come much more to the forefront i think um so i think they're they're sort of slowly or not even always slowly they're sort of shaping the, the way we travel and then therefore the way we write and photograph travel and um and the way we broadcast it you know i think it's across all all the travel mediums um yeah and i think um obviously the interesting part of all this is for me as a as a writer I, I I kind of feel like there's a lot more opportunities now to write different mm -hmm. types of stories as well it's not just you know the, yeah. the traditional way so I mean what what type of sort of writing or what type of sort of angles what types of stories do you think people should think about if they're not already yeah I, I mean I think you know like you said there's 
it, it's it's like a it's a piece of string question like there's so many elements to travel like there's you know food history there's different perspectives there's um you know so much more like indigenous tourism and community tourism there's all the people behind this like there are so many there are so many angles out there i think sometimes i think airline mag's a really good place to get an idea for all those side stories because they're often interviewing you know like fashion designers who are using that country's like you know main fabric and old patterns or something you know you've got all these really brilliant things going on and it isn't just about you know there's always going to be look there's always going to be a market and need to write about why you should go to x place like of course because people want to plan holiday right i'm going to madeira next week and i can't get enough of the really practical tips articles yeah of course you know and it so it's not like a, a war between two different types of travel writing um yeah. you know as you as you probably know i do um you know i do a newsletter with um, another travel writer shivani ashoka about you know media bias and we talk about you know decolonizing travel writing and you know to me that is all really important but it's all side by side you know i don't see it as a it's not an either or it's just that let's have these conversations too and you know change the type of people we feature in travel features as well yeah. and you know kind of come at travel even from a slightly less kind of you know observer sort of um perspective and sort of just be a bit more engaged and inquisitive and asking more questions and and, and questioning things that maybe are a bit you know you're a bit like mm, I'm not sure about this but rather than kind of glossing over it and just writing about that hotel anyway <laughs> actually kind of asking that question and then maybe acting on that like not including something in your piece or or calling it out if you feel comfortable and justified, you know, to do so. I'm not like encouraging a pile on to any particular place, but you know, I think that has all become a bit more um, a bit more acceptable, and I think that's a good thing, you know, because it's making people question their the way they run their their tourism practices that we then go to and write about. You know, I think we can't we can't dis have that disconnect of, between the places we're going to, who runs them. And the experiences we're having and then what we then put on paper and then loads of people read yeah absolutely very well said and uh and i, I mean i i know that uh i i really find it interesting when you talk about this sort of thing and, and your newsletter is is as just a wealth of information as well so how, how do people uh subscribe to your newsletter um so we yeah so i i co-write i co a lot of things <laughs> it's quite nice collaborating on things um, <laughs> so this is with shivani and um it's called unpacking media bias and i think we'd, we'd, we you know we're not very techy we've it's just a it's a it's a mailer light newsletter and i think you just go to i think if you just google unpacking media bias we do actually come up but the url is subscribepage.com forward slash unpacking media bias um, so that's how you can subscribe to it and all in my social profiles. I've always got a link to it as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I, I would highly recommend it. I think people, people will find it really, really useful and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a wealth of information. So, I mean, our time is sort of coming up, Mira, we've, we've loved having you here. Um, finally, what, what have you got coming up? Any trips, any exciting projects, uh, you know, anything we should know about? Yeah, well, um, well, it's exciting for me because I'm going on my first overseas trip next week to, well, week after this one, to Madeira. And, oh, yeah, fantastic. Very excited. Uh, slightly last minute, a little bit of a panic, but it's all good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then... I'm very yeah, jealous so of that. I'd like to go to oh, Madeira. 
Sorry yeah, to interrupt. Looks, sorry. <laughs> no, it looks, it looks beautiful, doesn't it? It's like really oh yeah, tropical and just very interesting. Lots of great hikes. So yeah, yeah. Fun to just be outside a lot really and just enjoy some good food and drink. Yeah, lovely. So, yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then yeah, just you know, I've got a few features that I'm working on, and um, you know, continue to do the events for the British Girl Travel Writers. Um, our last newsletter of the year coming up in December. Um, we did a takeover of another newsletter, which you will all be familiar with, I'm sure. Lottie and Steph talking travel writing. So we had yeah. a bit of a break. We did four newsletters uh, for them. And yeah, I think that's enough. I don't want to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, that that um, that sounds like a lovely end to the year with a trip and uh and just kind of wrapping everything up. Um, Mira, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, I mean, I, I've learned a lot just to, talking to you and uh, I kind of feel like we need to we need to do another one in, in season two, three, four, whatever, and, and talk a bit yeah, further. But uh, but yeah, it's been an absolute yeah. pleasure. Thank you for joining oh, thanks us. Thanks for having me, Jordan and Cav. It's been really nice chatting to you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.